Hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning for yet another time to fellowship. Thank you for the revelation of your word that you began in and through us yesterday. We ask this morning that your Father take us in your light. We believe and receive that in this atmosphere there is no error, confusion, or distraction. Together as a church, behold Jesus Christ, your Son, even as he sees us in him. In this service is glorified as we are edified alongside the body of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, before you sit, can you please appreciate Pastor Gilbert again and all the pastors that are here. Thank you. Have your seat. Praise the Lord. Second Timothy chapter 3. And Pastor, I, I trust to be here over and over again. Amen. <laughs> all right. Second Timothy 3. Uh, and we, I haven't given the subject yet. You know the subject by Sunday. But you, you, you see it yourself. But let, let's, let's give it the necessary background. Like he said, you know, um, one of the challenges we have today is uh, people putting a full stop where you have a comma. And, you know, where you have a full stop, when you also have a comma. You know, comma is continuing statement. And a lot of people have done that. And uh, it's been quite injurious. And particularly when you have a pastor, teacher over your life, try and uh, create a distance between what you say and what he says so that you don't go ahead and say what he hasn't said. What do I mean by that? Um, you know, I, I give this illustration. I'm saying this because it's Yaka House. I, I, I probably won't say it elsewhere or else it will be misconstrued, you know. Um, like he rightly said, we have guys who we've been working together. We've been 15, 16, 17, 18 years uh, together, 19, 20, 20 years together. And many of the books we do, for all of them, we work with them together. We do the editorial work together. We do the materials together. But they don't preach from it. That's important. They don't. They, they oftentimes teach things that I've taught five years ago. Even though, like I said, very recent teachings and materials, we, we have them together. There are even classes that we do uh, that are not public. Yet it doesn't become their sermons. That's a lot of discipline. Okay? And you need to have that kind of attitude because it's only someone who wants to show off that preaches quickly what he's just listening to. You hardly will know what you understand until a while. And you settle down. <laughs> and, you know, there was a great revolution in the body of Christ and, and people were on. And I, and it was on television. And usually when things go on television like that or the media, I, I step back a little bit. Because I know very well that the media also has an influence on the spirit of this world. Exaggeration, flamboyance, you know, publicity, entertainment. So I, I said to people, my friends, and those we work together, including those who are ahead of me, I said, there's something about this revolution. It's good, an awakening to God's love, compassion, and mercy, but it's going to produce a funny theology because it's going to produce people that are not balanced and are not sound, and it's going to breathe, did I say breathe? Breed a lot of universalist. I said that in 2008, 2009, that it has a tendency, uh, you know, because it's tilted in such a way 
that hits ignores too many things. And when you have a theology that ignores parts of scripture so quickly, it's dangerous. Every part of scripture ought to be read and understood. And so I said that, and I said it will lead to. I wasn't having I wasn't having a problem with licentiousness. Licentiousness does not need the grace message. Okay, that's not it. But more universalism. Then I said again, you start having subtle atheism. And and my problem, really then, was the quick, and this is for us, don't quickly want to go on the media. It's something that I don't know why people like doing that. They quickly want to go on the media. In fact, I have a policy in church when we're doing a series. I let the series, I exhaust them first. That is, you know, some guys would like to go on air quickly as they are teaching. I prefer, now of course, I, I don't subscribe to people not going to church and attending uh, uh, us online. I don't subscribe to that. Not that it's wrong, but I just don't. Um, because if you put it out, when you are not done, people have a tendency of taking the wrong hand of the stick. So I say, wait till we are done with the series, then put it out. So that Whoever is listening knows he has a responsibility to listen to the whole thing. Who's following what I'm saying here? Uh, because, see, some people teach outright error, okay? But some people mishandle the truth, and they are both doing the same thing. The fellow who teaches outright error, and the guy who mishandles the truth, they are doing the same. In fact, sometimes the guy who mishandles the truth has done a worse damage. So you've got to be extremely careful at how you handle the word. Are we making sense? And so that's something. You, you don't have to preach what you are listening to. Give it some time. Someone asked me how long. Say, technically, I'll give you five years if you're quite studious. Technically. But sometimes two, three years. But do not do it immediately. It may, it may look like you're, you got it right. Because some of us are intelligent, so we can regurgitate and quickly recollect stuff. But that's not teaching. Reassing something you have heard is not teaching. I'll know whether you understand something the way you explain it. So you gotta give it some time, and, and, and that's good generally, you know, about Bible doctrine. Sometimes people ask me, "Oh, sir, uh, where should I start?" I just start from where I started. Ha! Huh. That's gonna take a long time. Exactly. Why are you in a hurry? Eh? Yeah. Ah! I thought this one would make me shine faster. Doesn't work like that. Amen. I don't expect the pastors here to go to their church on Sunday and say, you know, guys, the context of the whole Bible is the Old Testament. That's dumb. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. Amen. You don't have to do that. Years ago, I taught a series on the nature of God. I called it the revelation of God. 1997, yeah. And I was explaining uh, Exodus 6 through 3. It was, uh, I think, a four-teaching series or something. Four-eight. Four, can't remember. 
So, uh, and I was talking about Jesus in the Old Testament and went on and on and on and on and on and everybody was, hmm. They were looking like they were blessed. Till I asked one of them, Patrick, my went as his name, and I asked him, how was, this, how was the meeting? He was quiet. He said, tell me. He said, sir, I didn't understand anything that you said. <laughs> I'm telling you. And in those days, a session is about four or five hours. So imagine I spent about 20 hours and they say, they didn't understand. So I went back to the other guys who were in the room. I said, did you guys understand? No. <laughs> so I tried again three years or so, three, four years after. If you, if, you, if you know our church a little bit, uh, Pastor Funke was there and uh, Sister Tonya were there and so, some other guys sat down. And I taught them the integrity of the word. It was the same teaching but different title, integrity of the word from Genesis to Revelation. And then it was a night. So I, it was a vigil. So I started teaching them about 9. By 2 a.m., I knew I was talking to myself. <laughs> so I said, you guys, how was it? They said, mm-mm. So I changed the topic to how to handle worry. <laughs> what to do when fear comes. <laughs> Simple things. You know, and I left it. But everything I was talking about then, I'm teaching now in church. After 25 years. Now, better, with more patience. Of course, I may be the holder, right? So, I'm calmer. I'm not as impetuous as I was when I was younger. (laughs) Now, I can take 20 years to say the same thing. I'm not in a hurry. If you're in a hurry, you're at the door. (laughs) <laughs> do you understand so it's that simple you must ensure that you are not displaying knowledge you're communicating God's word for the purpose of worship and fellowship is that clear so you take your time there's no rush about there was a brother like that he's a pastor here not here not in this church but in this country he engaged me on the concept of God's wrath that was two years ago. And he said, over two years ago, and he said he doesn't believe so and so and so and so and so about God's wrath and whether God kills or not. So I pleaded with him. I said, I'm sorry. I can't answer these questions by a Facebook chat. He said, no. I have to answer him now. I said, no, I can't. I don't have that intelligence. I'm not that brilliant. He said, no, I have to answer him. I said, you know, can I give you a cancer? We spoke on the phone. I said, we're going to get a book out in a couple of months. And I said, this is our God, his wrath. We're going to do a series. I said, it will take care of what you're asking. He said, no, I'm not going to wait for any book if you cannot answer me now. So I kind of felt, oh, well, <laughs> I let you go. So I think he went and wrote some stuff about that, and I felt this is dishonest. You know, I told you to wait for a book. And if he had done that, he would have been my friend. Amen. <laughs> because there are things that are not done by Facebook. How do you want to do it? Some guys are really good. They can write the whole Bible on Facebook. I, I like to be like them when I grow up. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you'll be patient. Is that clear? How the word is taught. You know, Peter was saying, um, on the account of the lungs of our God is salvation, which our brother Paul 
according to the wisdom of God given to him, has written all his epistles. You know, uh, then he says that which some who are unlearned, verse 16, and unstable, do rest as they do also the other scriptures to their own destruction. So the point is, when a man is unstable, which some of the traits is that he becomes impatient, he's in a hurry, quickly does a program. And I have guys who came to a Bible school that I taught, and after the Bible school session, they went to start a Bible school. I have never started a Bible school. And I've been teaching Bible school for 27 years. I don't think I'm qualified yet. And I stand here, I'm a part of Bible translation two, let's say two and a half. Yeah? Yeah. So I'm wondering, what's the confidence that you have in him? If he has anything according to his will, he gives you Bible school. Oh, you lost my joke, you did. And I felt, what's the confidence? They came to a Bible school I taught, and I'm just teaching, taught them, some of them, some of them I taught them for one week. And they gave themselves a PhD. And I'm feeling, relax. Give it some time. The guy said, with what you have taught me, my amenotics is 99.99%. That's interesting. I'm yet to understand hermeneutics. But it's good. The glory of the latter is already greater than the whole glory itself. <laughs> so you be patient. Is that clear? There's no honor in awarding people certificates. Anyone can do that. I have someone who went to a Bible school in 1997, 96 or so, someone I know, and they gave her a thesis to write on the Holy Spirit and his gifts. And it's a Bible school, recognized internationally. So she asked me to help. I just called folks in our fellowship then. I said, this is a thesis. These are guys that I taught barely six months. You know, and I gave them the thesis to write. And she got best student. Because <laughs> it's my mom I'm talking about. She got the best student. They gave her a word. For something she didn't do. I gave some guys I just taught six months. I gave them, hey, you sort this out six months. You know. This was in 1996. She got best students. She can't preach what she wrote. <laughs> you know, I guess it was, it was it Shaka Khan. Was it, was it, was it, was it Shaka Demos. More that she wrote. Something like that. Oh, well, that's a while back, right? You don't get it. Shaka Demos, you know. <laughs> okay, so learn to be patient, okay? <laughs> that's the, where are you rushing to? you got a lot of years ahead of you. Amen. I thought our pastors, we, we worked together there in our school. Our school is into now. I taught them a teaching on the Holy Spirit, uh, study of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. I took them classes the whole day, and they all failed the course. You began to fail the course. Took the next class, they filled the course. And I said, well, I'll let teach this gradually. And they are intelligent people. That shows you you need to change how you're teaching it. Right? That was about 11 years ago. When did you all fill the course? Come on, tell the world. <laughs> <laughs> huh? 2011. Right, that was it, yeah. They all filled the course. 
I try to even help them, give them some grace, but the grace did not make heaven. You know, I just fulfilled the course. You know. <laughs> and it's not a good thing for a lecturer to have his students fail the course. It has to be your problem. Okay, that's a good one, right? Because uh-huh. you've got to communicate it. Okay. So that's the point. I shouldn't say this in our school because you say, well, Pastor, you failed me because your case is irredeemable. You know? So where were we? Um, we should, oh, I'm going to get second Timothy. I'm just talking generally. Amen? You know, I told you I'm laying a foundation for the teaching itself. So I'm just going to gist in till we get to the point. Is it okay? You learning something? Okay. So learn to be patient, generally. And like Pastor said, you know, learn to teach in building blocks, which means the same way a teacher, like we said yesterday, Jesus had what he taught part-time. You need to look at your audience. For example, Paul says, I couldn't speak unto you as unto spiritual. Why? Because you couldn't bear them. So you have to look at your audience. Can they bear this? 1 Corinthians 3, 1 and 2. Hebrews 5, 12. For the time you ought to be teachers, you need that one teach you again. So there's a time. But then they were not, you know, mature enough. John 16, 12. Have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So you don't teach people what they cannot bear. And that goes to when you're also called to preach in different places. You, yeah, you're led by the Spirit, definitely, but you need to look at the audience and know whether they can receive what you are teaching. Is that clear? So that's some attitude, right? 2 Timothy chapter 3, 15. That from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God or by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. Now, let me just run to one quick aspect of verse 16. Then I'll get back to the uh, subject matter. The word instruction in righteousness is from an old Greek word, padiae, P-A-I-D-I-E-A, P-A-I-D-I-E-A. Now, it's taken from two words, really. But the primary word there, right, is the word pious, P-A-I-S, used for a growing child, right? So, uh, and then the other word is to instruct, to instruct. So, which means instruction in righteousness. If I'm going to translate that portion, now, which I, I do today, if I'm going to translate that portion for the world, I will not put instruction in righteousness. Rather, I will put Training up a child in righteousness. That's the right word. Now, that phrase is taken literally from Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he he will not depart from it. Now, the word, the way he should go in the Hebrew is the way of the mouth, the way of instruction. Now, that word padiae is used in... Roman, sorry, Ephesians 6 and 4, where he says fathers admonish them uh, to train up their children, nurture them in the admonition of the Lord. That's padiae. Hebrews 12, 5. Do not forget the exhortation that speaks unto you as unto sons or children. My son, where he says, do not despise the chastening and correction of the Lord. Hebrews 12, 5. That's the word padiae. 
So every time you see that word used, it's father and child relationship. Father and child. Or parental upbringing. Ephesians 6.4, Hebrews 12.5. Then you see Acts 7.22, where it says Moses, right, was taught in the, or educated in the knowledge of the Egyptians. The word educated there is the same word where you have the root word padiae. Now, it's like university education, but more than that, it's an education you give to a child. Remember, Moses was adopted as uh, Pharaoh's child. And that's some, some, some interesting fact. Maybe I should run that through you. This is Yakal House, I trust you get this. You know, um, notice what God plays in Exodus. It's quite uh, called a paradox. Moses is Hebrew, right? And then the kingdom of this world is Pharaoh, and Pharaoh adopts Moses as a son, right? A Bene son, and even not a son, firstborn. And then you discover that God does the same thing to Israel, Exodus 4.22. Israel is my son in firstborn. And the Passover, watch this now, was the destruction of the firstborn. Right? So there's a theme going on in there about authority, dominion, power, and inheritance. That's somewhere something to think about. So Moses grew up and is taught like an Egyptian son. So look at, that. Look at it again. We said, go back to 2 Timothy 3.15, 16, sorry. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All right? It's profitable for, let's go to the last one, instruction in. No, I thought I changed it. Huh? Training up a child in righteousness. Okay? So, which, which, what is all scripture again? No, let's start again. Come on, come on. The law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms are profitable for what? No, no, come on, last one. For training up. Now, the child there, is it natural or spiritual? Huh? Whose child? God. So which means Genesis to Malachi is for spiritual growth. Come on. Is it making sense? It's for spiritual growth because we are called sons, right? And so there are instructions for spiritual growth. Like we said yesterday, I'm repeat it again, that Jesus never quoted the epistles because they never existed. He never quoted the epistles. His teaching was from Genesis to where? Malachi. Are we good on that? Come on, people. Are we good on that? All right. So we used a, a simple principle, yes, and said Jesus quoted from, and Jesus was also systematic. Luke 24, 27, Moses and the prophets. Luke 24, 44, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Let's see the significance of that to buttress what Pastor was saying earlier about context. So, first and foremost, maybe first thing, first, first thing here, first and foremost, the context of Paul's writings will be found where? 
Nope. We said the four Gospels because it made reference to Jesus. Jesus is not, now, for, as God is in the Old Testament, but as a man in the four Gospels. So, if Paul uses Jesus overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly in his epistles, it means that part of his doctrine will be the events of the four Gospels. Now, by using the four Gospels, you see now, even if we don't find him referring to the Old Testament, for the sake of argument, by using the four Gospels, it definitely has submitted what he's saying to the context of the Old Testament. Because we said yesterday, Jesus taught from Genesis to Malachi. Who's following what I'm saying in here now? So, if I want to find the meaning of what Paul said in Ephesians, right? I won't find that meaning in Ephesians. Like I said yesterday, Paul wrote letters when he was not present. So, when he was present, he taught from the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Look at Acts 17, 2 and 3. He opened and alleged from the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Acts 17, 2 and 3. That's where he's teaching from. That's where Paul is teaching from. So, that will be the context of what he's saying. Let me give you an instance. If you, are, if you are in a class, and a biology class, or chemistry class, or physics class, and the lecturer, you know he's using advanced physics written by uh, Dr. John Thomas, or John Wilding, something like that. You know that's the textbook he's written from. And he lets you know that John Walding is the authority in the subject of advanced physics. So he, as the teacher, is an interpreter. So he now says, according to John Walding, etc., etc., he gives different you know, laws, and you have the textbook. He's not speaking from his head. He's explaining to you what is in the textbook. So whatever he says, you, you must always refer to the textbook. Because the context of what he's saying is the textbook. Everything that he says. And let's track back. That also refers to Jesus. So look at Luke 24, one more time. And 25 to 27. O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them, in all the scriptures. Now the word expounded there. Expounded. 
is a Greek word diamenio, D-I-E-R-H-E-R-M-E-N-E-O, or D-I-E-H-E-R-M-E-N-E-U-O, both ways. It means to give meaning. Now, why do I need to give meaning? Look up. Before you write anything, I want to break this down very well for you. Don't put anything down here so you understand what I'm about to say. Now, do you know that as I'm talking now to you, you are the only ones that are on my mind. That's why I'm using English, for example. I have no other person in mind. You are the ones on my mind because you are my immediate audience. I don't have any other person in mind. Okay? If someone who is not in this meeting, right, will take whatever I am saying, right? He might need to think like you. Because you were the ones I was talking to. I wasn't talking to anyone else but you. So the way he can understand what I'm saying is to sit where you sit. I'll tell you what I mean. No writer of scriptures had you in mind. They weren't writing to you. You were not on their mind. A simple way to know that is that none of them spoke in English. The English language is not even up to 1,000 years old. So they couldn't have spoken in English. So whatever you have in your hand is a translation. And any translation is an interpretation. Whatever you have in your hand. He didn't have you in mind. The writer did not have you in mind. That includes the letters of Paul. Anybody here in Rome? No. Ephesus? No. Thessalonica? No. Oh, it's written to all of us. Okay, fine. So, if you believe you are in Christ Jesus, the letter is for you. So, make sure you greet Phoebe, our sister. Do you know her? You don't know her. You don't know who Phoebe is. Because you are not his audience. So the first thing is you are not the immediate audience. You don't speak the language that they spoke. Let me expand that a little bit for you. The Hebrew language, which is the predominant language of the Old Testament, right? Listen well. Emerged, right? About the time of Abraham, where you had Babylon, Babel, and different languages. Yet Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel, Noah, Enoch are Hebrew names. Which means they are interpretations. They never spoke Hebrew. So Adam couldn't have been his name. 
So right from the first book of the Bible, you see interpretation. Was that quick? Should I repeat myself? I'm sure you're going to say that, right? The Hebrew language, remember there was Genesis 11, where there were many languages. Then nations were scattered. Then we had what you can call the Mesopotamian or the ancient Near Eastern. From those nations, Abraham was called out, Genesis chapter 12. Which means whatever language that he called, which is, you know, he's called Hebrew, which is to cross across the waters. He's called Hebrew. But his forebears were not Hebrew in Genesis 11. So the, the Hebrew language could never have existed in Genesis 10. Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? The Hebrew language could not have existed in Genesis 10. It came out later on. Moses spoke the Hebrew language. But Noah did not speak the Hebrew language because it wasn't in the existence. Enoch didn't speak it. Right? Of course, Adam and Eve didn't speak it. Cain and Abel didn't speak it. So, but the interpretation of their names is in Hebrew. Why? Because the audience of Moses spoke Hebrew. Are you following what I'm saying here? They spoke Hebrew. So the first thing is, because you are not the immediate audience, you will need to interpret what is being said. The writer did not have you in mind. I put it like this oftentimes. I said the Bible is 100% man, 100% God. The language belongs to man. The inspiration comes from God. But you can't get to the inspiration or the information in the inspiration without the language. If you miss the language, you miss what is being said. So interpretation is not a strange phenomenon. It's what you must always do. Are we making sense here? Always do. So there are many you have to interpret, interpret because you are not the immediate audience. He's not talking to you. There's no part of scripture written to you. How do you know? No writer of scripture spoke English. Okay? Coming with that, the culture differs. The concept differs. You won't find vehicle Mercedes-Benz in the Bible. If you see it, is your witness translation? <laughs> you won't find that. You won't find toothpaste, toilet. Don't let that exist. Let me add one more. You won't find brain because there had been no discovery of brain. In fact, the signs of the days of Moses believe that you thought through your intestines. Bad one, right? 
You won't find it. Imagine, one day I was talking to my daughter and we were having a conversation. I said to her, I said, you know, I had to, you know, um, glue the tape, cassette tape. So she listened well. Then she said, how do you want to glue a tape? I thought it's a tape that makes you seal something. I said, no, cassette. She said, what's that? Casket? I said, no, cassette. Now, look at how many, just a few years away, I have to interpret. I'm struggling to help. She said, no, daddy, I know there was something like compact disc. Is that why I said no? A tape. Okay, she said, all right. Because she's wondering, tape? So, if I now start explaining video cassette, the one we used to clean video head with spirit, <laughs> you look at what are you talking about? Or how do I explain that? You know, they closed TV stations then by 12. Closed TV stations? You mean the government shuts it down? I said, no, that's when they close for the day. For the day? How do you explain? How do you explain that, you know, we used to buy cards to go to the telephone box? Yeah, okay, cards to, no. How? Just a few years ago. A few years ago. And you have to interpret. Now, 2,000 years ago. Oh, 4,000 years ago. Oh, 6,000 years ago. The moment you use today's interpretation for yesterday's words, you miss it. You learning something? <laughs> So, the menu will include the grammar, the culture. The only way we could understand the meaning was to read the Old Testament. Same way I've been speaking about eternal life for years, what it means. We have to go to the Old Testament. Why? Because those who were teaching it were referring to the Old Testament. So, it means... That it's the Old Testament that explains the New Testament. Why? Because that was the textbook. That was the textbook. That's the textbook. Romans 15 verse 3. The things written aforetime. Check it quickly were written for our learning. The word learning there is doctrine. Doctrine. That we through the patience and comfort of scriptures might have hope. Doctrine. So the Old Testament was not used by Paul, Peter, James, and John to just refer to Jesus going to the cross. No. For spiritual 
for spiritual growth. Don't forget, I will probably look at it again tonight, the phrase Old and New Testament was not used by Jesus for the Bible. We must re-educate ourselves. And today I'm bold to say that, but I remember when I said it in the 90s and I said, the New Testament is Genesis. Somebody got up and walked out. It was University of Ibadan. And he walked out. And he east. 97. I was teaching Revelation of the Christian. I said, the New Testament is Genesis. I said, because Genesis means new. That's the meaning of Genesis. Beginning. That, that's the New Testament. That the Old Testament came after. I'm sure... Uh, my guys here heard me say that earlier when they were looking at me for a while. But now they understand it after many years. And I've said it for years. This Old and New Testament description of the Bible is not from God's spirit. It's either done by the printers or human translations. So, your job and my job is to interpret properly by using the words that they used. Did Jesus refer to Genesis to Malachi as Old Testament? Huh? What did he call it? The scriptures. What else did he call it? Look at John 10, 34. Is it not written in your law? John 10, 34. That you are God's children of the Most High. If he called them gods, John 10, 35, to whom the word of God came, uh-huh. So, okay. So, what does he call the law? No. That's the last one. If he called them gods, to whom the, so what does he call the law? The word of God. That's what he called it. He didn't call it the Old Testament. He called it the scriptures. That is what he called it. Did Jesus preach the gospel? Huh? Before his death? Did John the Baptist preach the gospel? Before his death? Yes, he did. So if they preached the gospel before his death, that means the gospel is the teaching of the Old Testament books. Hebrews 4.2 Hebrews 4.1, let us fear. Hebrews 4.1, lest a promise left us of, us of entering to his rest. Any of you to seem, to seem to come short of it. For the gospel was preached unto them as well as unto us. It calls what Moses said to Israel as the gospel. But the word preached, not being mixed with faith, did not profit in them that heard it. He called what was preached in what we call the Old Testament the gospel. Let's expand that a little bit. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So you have to change your definition. Is that very clear? Change your, and you need to really remove the stronghold. You need to take away the struggle. Really out of your head. 
If you don't do it, you don't, you don't take that out of your mind. Okay, I told you up to where now? First Corinthians 2. Now notice verse. I'll pick some texts just isolatedly. First one, Paul says, I came not in the wisdom of men, except of speech, declaring the testimony of God. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with much weakness, trembling, and fear. And my speech and preaching, verse 4, was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom. Now notice the word, but in the demonstration of the spirit, which is the power of God. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak this wisdom among them that are perfect. Not the wisdom of this world, preach of this world that come to nothing. He said the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of these princes of this world knew it, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. As it's written, I has not seen, he has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men or minds of men, the things that God had prepared for them that love him. That's Isaiah 64, verse 4. But God has revealed them unto us by his. Huh? By his spirit. For what things know the things of a man, but the spirit of man which is in him. Therefore the things of God knows no man, but the spirit of God. So now we have received the spirit of, of God, not the spirit of this world, but the spirit of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Alright? Now, it says we might know the things freely given to us by God. Now, is Paul being exclusive here? No, look at 13. The things we speak, which the Holy Ghost teacheth, not in man's wisdom teacheth, but the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with what? Spiritual. So he says, what the Spirit speaks to us is called spiritual, pneumaticos, an utterance, an information by the Spirit. Now run to chapter 10, where he's now describing the Exodus nation, Israel. I want you to be ignorant that all our fathers, they passed through the sea, baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Then he says that they all drank of the same what? Spiritual drink. Oh, so, eh, sorry, ate of the same spiritual meat, drank of the same spiritual drink, of the same spiritual rock, and the rock was. Did you notice he used the word spiritual? Spiritual is what happened in Israel. Pneumatic cause. So the background of Paul saying spiritual is the Old Testament. Then in chapter 12, verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Then he, he mentions the gifts as we call them today. So Paul's definitions are relating to Old Testament expressions. So let's, let's get it again. The message of the Old Testament is called what? Let me see what I are following. The word of God, then the gospel, the huh? spiritual or demonstration of the spirits. Is it spiritual meat? Huh? 
Spiritual drink? Okay, look at chapter 3. <laughs> I be brethren, I couldn't speak unto you as unto spiritual, interesting, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with what? And not with meat, right? Did Moses feed Israel with meat? Uh-uh. We just read it. So the meat Paul was referring to, is it from his mind or from the Old Testament books? Oh. Again, you know what our problem is? We call it Old Testament. They didn't call it Old Testament. They call it the Word of God. They call it doctrine. They call it the gospel. Come on. Come on. Track back a bit. Something in there. John 10. You learning something? Like I said, we're just doing an intro. We're just in for now. John 10, 35. Oh, John 10, 34. Is it not written in your... Huh? Now, he's referring to Psalm 82, verse 6. So, the instances, the entire Old Testament is called the law. I told you what law means. What is it again? Doctrine. So, the book of Psalm is called law. Moses didn't write it. Let me add one more. In Galatians 4, 21 and 22, Paul says, hear what the law says. Abraham had two sons. That's Genesis. He calls it law. Law. Let's see another place called law. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 21. It's written in the law with the with, with the with the stammering leaps. Will I speak to these people? And another tongue. Stammering leaves and another tongue written in the law. And he's talking to her about Isaiah 28. So the entire Old Testament is also called what? Ah. The law. Which is the the what's law? Doctrine. Did you notice no one called it Old Testament? Not one single person called it Old Testament. Not one single person called Genesis to Malachi Old Testament. And you need to do that in your mind because as the pastor of Saints Community Church where I pastor and serve, I, over the years I've been doing this is to help them. And I said to them, remove that thinking in your head because it's, it affects the way you read it. No one is say old car, old cargo, old shoe. That's the way you think new shoe. You are prone to treat, okay, it depends on the old car. An old car can be a Rolls Royce. You know, but then, you know, you're talking about. So, Old Testament. So, did Jesus intend that we should replace the Old Testament books? No, he taught from it. What about Paul? Nope. He called it doctrine. He called it spiritual growth. So, Look at the reference. Look at what they were called. The gospel. They were, now, let's, let's track back a little bit. Go into all the world, Mark 16, 15, and preach the 
gospel. Now, Luke gave us what happened. In Luke 24, verse 25 to 27, Jesus expounded to them in all the scriptures. Luke 24, 45, he opened it the understanding that they may understand the scriptures. So when he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, he meant what? Huh? Preach the Old Testament? Let's use Old Testament for the purpose of today. Preach what? The Old Testament. Matthew 28. Make disciples of every nation. Matthew 28, 19. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. 20. Teaching them to observe what things soever I have commanded you. What did he teach them? The Old Testament. So the Old Testament is not for pick and choose prophecies. Christocentric. It's Christocentric. When these folks in Acts 1, when they were going to choose a replacement for Judas, right? They went to the book of Psalms. Let me tell you what they were doing there. How is it done? That is the word of God. So, whatever is called Old Testament, we need to find out what it is. It's definitely not the books. Whatever is called the New Testament, we have to find out, is also not the books. Because it is evident to us that the epistles were built from where? The Old Testament books. To put it like this. It means the authority of the epistles, the one say the authority, the authority of the epistles, for example, if somebody gets up today and he gets to, you know, I was talking about advanced physics. I said, there's a, uh, a Professor Walden is the authority of advanced physics. So if I get up and use his textbook, what am I saying? I'm coming in the authority of who? Professor Walden. If Paul teaches from Genesis to Malachi, that means he's teaching with the authority of Genesis to where? Malachi. Moses and the prophets. So it means, now this is it, the Old Testament authenticates the New Testament books, but not the other way around. The New Testament does not authorize the Old because it was not in existence. What it means is that every time we read the epistles, we have to keep reading backwards. Why are we reading backwards? Because the books before the epistles are the context of anything you read in the epistles. Let me run through one quickly. You know, we face this dilemma in 2020 when pastors talking about the COVID issues, COVID-19. And then, if you notice, as we are Pentecostals, a lot of confusion just came up, uh, and people started redefining what churches. You must have heard the new normal. New normal is when people start holding services online, Zoom meetings, Mixer, and all that stuff. Telegram services. Things just went balloon. And uh, 
I had a reason to engage people then. Then they said, what are you going to do at this time? I said, nothing. We're just going to do church. How are you going to do church? They've asked us not to meet. And I said, no, they didn't ask us not to meet. They asked us not to meet in large numbers. And we have other means to have church. What about, you know, getting across to people using the, the medium of the media and all that? I said, I've examined it. I sat down and I thought through it. And it didn't have to do with COVID because I thought about it years ago. That I said, Lord, no, 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 I take that back because it's too personal. But I asked myself that how scriptural is the use of the internet? I asked those questions. How scriptural is the use of the internet? So, now I have a concept I'm going to teach you tomorrow or this evening. I call it the identification unifier. That's how to take something written years ago and now and see what unites it. So I ask myself, what, 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 would, what would the internet be in the days of Jesus? So I said, the internet in the days of Jesus will be their technology of communicating information. And that will be the written form. Excellent. So the written form is how you transmit information to a congregation of people uh, and where they're able to receive an information without you physically being present. Who's following what I'm saying here? So I said, was that written form called the church? No. In fact, by the practice of the early church, where, it is a very simple one, you can check it yourself, where Paul writes a letter, what he does, and most of the reasons why he wrote letters was when he was physically incapacitated, he was in jail, or he was very distant, he couldn't get them. In fact, most of the letters, he was in jail. Most of the letters. The only letters he wrote without being in jail were just about three. So all the other letters, he was either in jail or his way there. You know. So, well, <laughs> so he will give the letter to, let's say, Pastor Somi, my friend. He will communicate. And this, was, this helped me. For example, I spoke in a Baptist forum, uh, Southern Baptist, some three years ago. And this helped me talk about women in ministry. If Paul could give the letter to, of Rome to Phoebe, Phoebe was a, obviously the Korea. Now we know in the Greco-Roman culture, the Korea will be the first person to explain the content. I said, that just by practice shows that women taught. So Phoebe in Romans 16, 1, is Phoebe for me. I give him the letter. He takes the letter. And that's what will amaze you what Paul did to Onesimus, going to Philemon, because he sent the letter through Onesimus. So Onesimus will be explaining the doctrine to Philemon, how we shouldn't kill him. <laughs> so I give the letter to him. It takes a letter. Look at the practice of the church. The letter is not given to individuals. What they do, if you read Colossians 4, 16, you'll see this. The church will come together, then the content of the letter will be explained. Notice in Acts 15, where they send letters to the, to the churches in Asia, they gathered together and re all the apostles had said. So which means, in spite of the secondary medium of communication, the physical gathering was required. Just follow what I'm saying here. Therefore, it can't be Bible doctrine to replace physical assembly with signals. Just follow what I'm saying here. You learning something from that? 
It cannot be Bible doctrine. To replace a physical assembly with signals. Now, you can send information via signals, you know, but that is not church. Now, listen. So, the immediate meaning of church in Paul's day is what is called the synagogue. The synagogue, or something called the episunagogue. Synagogue is a physical gathering. And it has what they do there. That is what Jesus used to call church. His audience knew exactly what he was talking about. You can't have church without a physical gathering. It matters not how many people believe otherwise. You learning something? You learning something? So you must therefore use Bible definitions. If it is not called Old Testament, today I use Old Testament for the purpose of reference, not interpretation. You know, I can use a nickname. I can decide to call Pastor Gilbert, you know, I have names I call him. I don't tell the world here, you know, but I have names I call him. Um, I don't let it out. This let just stay. Let, let's make it the Mosterian. Now, that name is just for reference. Right? Sometimes it's an interpretation, though. But. <laughs> so it can be references. You know? So I, today, don't start using Old and New Testament for the purpose of reference. It shouldn't stay in your mind like the meaning. Because it's not. So Paul has just told you it's for doctrine, teaching. Jesus taught from it. So I said, it's not just prophecies about the coming of Christ and the death of Christ on the cross. So that's why you're looking at those things, you're looking for Christ died, he rose. Christ died, he rose. I don't know this one. Christ is not dying, this one. He died here. <laughs> Christ died. <laughs> Christ died. You see other instructions about. Um, uh, how to treat slaves? No, we're not in the Old Testament. Oh, how to treat animals? Not in the New Testament. Interestingly, one time Moses was writing, Jeremiah twenty-five and four. He says, "Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treads the corn." And Paul now took that and wrote to the church in Corinth. In fact, Jesus did. Paul did it twice. Eh? Yeah. And he said, is it not written in your law? Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox church of the corn. 1 Corinthians 9, 9. Then Paul now asks a rhetorical question. Doth God care about oxen? That means, do you think he's talking about animals there? That's interpretation. Because readily true, truly, if you see that text, it was within text that had nothing to do with animals. He said, do you think God is caring about oxen? But for your sakes altogether, which means that even though the language medium used oxen, he wasn't talking about animals. Same way it was not a serpent that spoke to Eve because of Jesus. Please, don't believe that nonsense. 
When I was young, I asked my mom. Unfortunately, she used my book of Bible stories, the one by Jehovah Wickedness. That's what she used. So she said, so the serpent spoke. So I now asked her, I said, was there a time serpents used to speak? And I said, the serpent speak? She said, yes, can't you see it? Force, force. I don't explain it. I said, okay. She said, serpent said to Eve, she took the fruit. So I said, was there a time serpent spoke? I don't know what she did. Maybe she gave me a knock or something. She said, don't question the word of God. What of God looks stupid. How will a regular human being talk to a serpent? That's no temptation. Has God said that and you are and you are engaging the serpent? Ah. And he said, he then took the fruit. Said, what kind of fruit was it? Apple. Does it mean we should not take apple? You know, my mom will just say something. He's in Yoruba, she'll say it. Satan will not take your heart. Satan will not take your heart. Take <laughs> Satan is already here, ma'am. Because I don't believe. You couldn't tell me which of the fruits he ate. It's a special fruit. So I asked the question in my mind, is God against eating fruit? One day, I asked my CRK teacher, why does God hate pigs and shrimps? She said, well, that was the Old Testament. Does it make any difference? Whether you're a Chelsea fan last year or this year, does it change anything? <laughs> bad manners is bad manners. <laughs> Whichever time he didn't like shrimps, does it change anything? I will still be like. It doesn't change anything. But they say, mm, you know, you know, shrimps. Eh, sometimes, you know, some of those shrimps, we should be careful. Ah, shrimps? Because my CRK teacher was just as dumb. Spiritually speaking. So I'm wondering, what's going on here? And you see some texts of scripture and they told the soldiers to wipe out everybody, including the children and the animals. Ah! And he said, you know, at that time, God was really angry. He has calmed down. <laughs> 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 this year, by the grace of God, we'll get a book out. My book of Bible stories, the Christ edition. Amen. For children, because we need to answer their questions. I was in the class, a law class. And my teacher, she's Christian, Baptist. What am I having about this today? She said, you know, the Bible, you know, sometimes it's against women. You have some, uh, some chauvinistic texts of scripture. It was, I was in my, no, that was my final year because it was, it was um, what's my final year? Women and the law. Yeah, that was my final year. She said, you know, you know, we, women are denigrated in scripture. She went on and on. I just, that was my only time I would ask a question. I said, no. I said, what's that? Any question? I said, it's not a question. It's a, it's a comment. What's it? Say so you are wrong. Say, eh? Yeah. So come and explain. I got a Bible. <laughs> My mates look at me and they just say, oh, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I began from Moses. I said, nope. 
It's not true. So, thank you. That was persuasive. I just sat down. That was my only contribution in our class in two sessions, two semesters. Don't come and insult the Bible in my presence. Use something else. Maybe Quran, but not the Bible. But the point is, people carry those thoughts. I just got hate shrimps, pigs. What's the point? Why does it say some, some fish that have, don't take it? Ah, why? He say, he made all things. He made all things, but he said, don't eat this one. Why did you not make it? Dire menu. Hallelujah. We are probably in a confused state because we are farther from the Old Testament and Paul. So our problem is compounded by the distance. But if we follow the systematic way of reading scriptures, we won't have any problem. Are you there? So fundamentally, right, we need to first of all change our definitions. Because, I mean, look at the concept of rapture. And, and people say, you know, this rapture, and, you know, and that thing is so strong because a lot of movies, you've watched movies. I acted movies. I mean, uh, uh, dramas where, you know, we acted, Jesus would just come and then, and most of the time we use church setting. Ba, 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 all the dramas I've ever acted, the pastor did not make it. I don't know what pastors did to filmmakers. But there'll be one brother and he says, just go. All shots will go. I don't know what they've done, but choir, usually the choir, nobody leaves. I don't know why. <laughs> you, know, you know, a man can write a script with his own beef. The choir is not going. The choir is not going. You know why they write stuff like that? <laughs> you know why they think like that? Because they read scripture where it says, one shall be taken away, another left. So you even have, um, uh, there's a book like that, uh, Left Behind. By Tim Lahai. I love Tim Lahai, but not his books. <laughs> and, but if you just paid attention to Matthew 24, those that were left behind were the ones that were saved. Because Jesus said, when these events happen, when these events happen, if you're on the mountaintop, don't return home or just keep running. That's what he said. He said, one will be left, one will be taken away. Pray that your flight be not in winter. That is not rapture. Amen. Look, it's in our head. Let's talk about heaven. We have mansions in heaven. I told you, a sister, great sister, she died. She came back. Every time people die and come back, they say nonsense. <laughs> they are talking rubbish. Just tell them, rest, rest, rest. Rest. Just rest. I, I saw something. I know, you will see rubbish. Just rest. No one took testimonies from Lazarus? Or Jairus' daughter? Or Dorcas? Or Eutychus? They just gave them food. Not microphone. And she said she died, and then everybody sitting there looking at her. And she said she went to heaven, and she saw the house built for her. Now I don't believe she was lying. At 
Well, totally. Because it's the theology we all believed. So she went to heaven, and then she saw the place. And it was a small house that was built for her. A shop. Small shop. And I'm wondering, why would God take her from the earth where she has a house of her own? And takes her to a shop. She's not even a market person. And I'm wondering, you know how a girl, you can question him. She said the house is not painted. I'm wondering, why would you have a house not painted, not plastered? Ah, that's not a house. Had no roof. Huh? I'm thinking, if I get to that kind of place, I'm going to stay at the motor park. Because that sister, she's so spiritual and holy. She always tells us that anything she does, she asks the Holy Spirit, including what she wears. And every time you see her wear, it takes a spirit to combine these colors. She, so she had, she had been talking and talking and talking and say, you know, let's strive to get to that place and want it. Every time you do wrong, they remove one brick from your house. Every time you do right, they say, I'm wondering, heaven will be a messy place because we always do wrong. Baka, boko, baka, boko. <laughs> I'm thinking, I, I didn't even believe I had a land. <laughs> so, I'm feeling, you have lived holy, you got land, you can't even live there. Right? I'm going to be in the model park. We're not different. You know, I couldn't say that out. So she said, it began to rain. And I said, oh. Oh. Seas was in the earth. Seas was right here. You know, the guys who have a vision to get to heaven, these one angels reading their names. And reading their names out. Checking your name. What's your name again? And Shegun, annoying guy, said, I can't find it here. Ah, ah. He's there, he's there, check it, he's there. Did you change your name? Yes, at some point. You didn't tell us. (laughs) 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 It's a different name in the book of life where you got born again. You didn't inform us. So what do we do? Ah, you have to go and do change of name. (laughs) I swear I've been a bit. Because they think the book, the book of life is, is a textbook. <laughs> it's a textbook. But the audience understood book of life. Book of life is an Old Testament phrase where they take account of everyone living in a city. It's like a census. Right? So, now, <laughs> when anyone dies, they remove his name from the book because he's no longer alive. So, it's a book of those who are alive. When they take census, is that clear? Is that clear? So, when you say book of life, right, every human being born into this world is registered by God in that book. Now, it's a figure of speech. 
Now, when a man or a woman does not believe the gospel, his name is taken out. You know why? Because he is not alive. She says, no, you get born again and say, what's your name again? Mm, which one do you want? Ronaldo or Messi? That's your name. No. That would be very funny. If your name in the book of life is your first name. Do you know how many people bear your name? Say, which one? I have 20 like this. Oh. Which one is your own? Well, you come and look at this. Which one is your own? Ah, they all similar. Oh, God, you can't stay here. <laughs> you are even doing fraud here. You never. <laughs> are you learning something here? So you got to use Bible words. You got to interpret what they are saying. Don't interpret Bible language in the, with the movies or the sermons you have watched. The sermons or the movies. It has to be well interpreted. The right grammar. Remember, and I'll begin to close from here. We said, you must sit where the audience sat. There's absolutely no way you can understand the Bible without a basic knowledge of Greek and Hebrew. Forget it. You get it? If you don't get it, forget about it. There is absolutely no way. Now, you could be helped by translations, which is also good. Another way is to have good translations, not just the King James, that actually delve into the original. But I love to just go directly to the Greek. Okay? So there's no way, and Hebrew, there's no way. See, look at me, let me tell you. There is no way you can understand what they said without their language. They didn't write in English. They wrote in Greek and Hebrew. Simple. I've not asked you to go and take a course in Greek and Hebrew. It's just get simple things. If you have many translations are good, you could get the um, uh, Vines Dictionary. You could get the Strong's Concordance. How, how would you know how things like that and say you're a pastor? Are you a pastor or passport? You have to have simple things like that. Because that's your job. You say, I want to tell you what is the Holy Spirit. There was someone telling me the Holy Spirit told her something. She's a pastor. What she was. She said the Holy Spirit told her Obadiah 17. That you know, the Holy Spirit was just dealing with her. When people start dealing with me. Just calm down. You are about to hear something. That the Holy Spirit will be, you say, ha. You know, I tell people like, like imagine if Jesus was sitting in your congregation. How will you teach? You say, you know, the Bible says, just look at it like this. You say, precious Jesus. <laughs> You know some folks, if Jesus shows up in your church, you just do worship service throughout. Let's just worship you. <laughs> because you can't say nonsense. <laughs> Let's just worship you. You just be singing, uh, All my life you have been fed. Because <laughs> you know, and you know, say, any question, you will not raise his hand and say, Lord, unquestionable you are that. <laughs> Are you out there? So you got to get <laughs> basic things. What's in the mind of the writer? 
still don't understand it. And that's some diligent work that you've got to do. So, do we have a work in our hands to read 66 books all the time on all the subjects? Mm. You nodded your head. Are you sure that's what I just said? You have a task to read 66 books all the time for every subject you want to understand. 66. Not 66, so 66. And that will be our task from tonight. Bless the Lord. I'll see you in the evening.